0: Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And
1: let's get growing. It's time for Free the Seeds, Saturday, March 7th at the Flathead Valley Community College's Arts and Technology Building in Kalispell. This fifth annual event is a seed swap with a host of workshops and booths that provide skills, information, and resources on growing and processing healthy, nutrient-rich food, and it's all free. Volunteers have been packing seeds all year, and we're on schedule to distribute another 10,000 packets. The swap runs from 9 until noon this year, and workshops begin at 10. K-12 teachers get OPI credits for attending workshops, and kids ages 8 and up can enjoy activities offered by Glacier Children's Museum. Our theme this year is recovery, closing the waste gaps in our food system, and we will have four community conversations on this topic. For more information and to see our schedule, go to freetheseedsmontana.com or visit us on Facebook. Come on down. We can't wait to see you
0: all right welcome to the organic gardener podcast it is friday february 28th 2020 and i am so excited because i have a listener online who signed up for something somehow got on my email list and sent me a email telling me that she's a new listener who's been gardening all her life and um in the last few years added fruit trees to her repertoire and she but this is the crazy part. She lives in Northwestern, PA, and her garden is like 30 miles away in Ohio, a few blocks south of Lake Erie, and she's gardening. So if she can do that, we can all do something. And I it took me a little while, but I talked her into coming on the show and sharing her expertise. And so here from Northwest Pennsylvania is Cindy Ondish. Ondish? Sorry. Ondish. Yep. Ondish. Hi. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. Well, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, God. Okay.
2: Well, the way this weird situation started is kind of involved, but I'll just say I, I've gardened like all my life and where I live in Northwestern, PA, the I had a garden and it just over the years, the trees grew up. It's, we kind of live in amongst woods. And my garden got worse and worse every year until the point where I could barely grow anything in it. And I would have tomato plants around my house. And we totally separate from this. My husband bought some property up in Kwanee, Ohio, where um, we keep a boat. So it's like a, it's really a boat garage. And then there was some, a lot next to it that had weeds taller than me. I mean, I get lost in, the, in these weeds. So he hacked them down um, with a sickle to begin with. That's how bad it was. And then we just started cutting grass. And he noticed one day when he was cutting grass that there was an asparagus plant growing up, popping up through the ground. So next thing you knew, long story short, there's where my garden is. It's all open. It gets sun all day long. The ground is, is like a gardener's dream Um, I think the person who owned it before was friends with a guy who cleans fish. So they would dump all the fish guts from what we're told. And it's just so fertile. And so it's like, there's my garden. I kind of resisted the whole thing for a long time. And I had a little bit of a garden, but it just got to the point where so nothing grows at my house because there's no light and up there, everything grows wonderfully. So and we're there all the time in the summer anyway, because, you know, go fishing. So that's where my garden ended up.
0: Oh, well, that makes sense. And I don't know the place. I mean, I drive 45 miles to work an hour every single day. So, you know, sometimes you just have to commute. And I'm sure Western Pennsylvania is very similar to our type of, you know, mountain, uh, foresty, um Place. So lots right. of golden seeds being dropped already, talking about your fertile soil, talking about light and how you can move someplace. So, like, is it like it's not your forest? So you don't want to cut trees down to make that space? Or you like the forest, or like it's somebody else's land? Like, I just have to ask that. I'm just curious. Well, sure.
2: No, we just like the forest. I. It would be a lot of trees to cut down. And we've already, we kind of cleared an uh, acre or so out of the woods to begin with to have like some lawn and whatever, which I, some of it, actually, I want to turn back to woods, but um, we really didn't want to cut any more down. And I, and it was such a gradual thing that I was like, well, uh, you know, I'll move my plants up a little bit more so that they get a little more sun. And then, okay. I'll, I mean, I always had tomato plants around the house, but I tried to put like pepper plants around the house too. And I put stuff in pots on the deck Um, and it was okay, but, When I just saw the results I got up there, it just, I can't match that. So, and I think this is
0: such important things for people to hear. Like, there's so many takeaways you can get from that. Like, you know, one, like, again, like I said, it's your soil, but also two, like, don't fight your area. Like, find something that does work for you. Right, so,
2: right. And I guess if I wanted to put do raised beds, I could have moved them to another area, like right in the middle of the garden, right in the middle of the lawn, but that would have looked kind of funny. So um, this just worked. And it, like I said, it was a gradual thing. I just started growing a little bit and I was like, oh, wow, well, look how, watch how wonderful this stuff grows. And then it just like expanded to, I can't hardly keep up with it, you know? And then we did the fruit trees. We added those. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do up there, but it's wonderful.
0: So, Cindy, like, how did you first get into gardening? Like, what what's, like, your oldest gardening memory? Like, who were you with and what did you grow? Like, wow. when you were you a kid or has it been since you were an adult? Like, Oh,
2: I remember you sound my like grandfather. You- oh. I, ha- I came from an Italian family, so everybody grew tomatoes. My grandparents grew tomatoes in their backyard. My parents grew tomatoes in our backyard. That was the only thing anybody ever grew, which is weird. So, and we canned tomatoes because we had a lot of pasta, of course. So everybody just grew tomatoes and that's all I really knew. My grandfather knew a lot and he came over on the boat from Italy. So he knew a lot about other plants and things too, um, which always fascinated me. But I don't think I had my, my first garden until I was probably in, maybe just out of college because you don't have space, you know, you live in an apartment and stuff. Um, But when as soon, as soon as I had, like, space to have a garden, I did, and I was pretty successful just, you know, by luck. I have a lot of houseplants, so I have kind of a green thumb, I guess, but things just grew. I mean, I had a good place to grow them at that time, too, so that, that helped, and then I just expanded and grew, you know, I grew corn. I grew, you know, just a, a whole range of things that my family never grew, but I just wanted to experiment with all these new things. So, and it was so nice to be able to just feel like you can take care of yourself. I'm growing my own food. I don't need to go to the store and buy blah blah blah. I just grow it and then can it and um so yeah, I was kind of brought up with basically just tomatoes and canning and then I expanded to whatever else I could grow and can. You know, especially as I you know had my children got bigger and I had trying to feed them and wanting to make sure I knew what I was feeding them, so I just canned as much as I could.
0: Awesome. So do you want to tell us about something that grew well this year?
2: Oh my God. My, I was like head over heels in love with parsnips. And when I was growing my garden at home, I always had really good luck with parsnips and I just, didn't know why, but in retrospect, I know now my garden was so clay, so, so much clay, even though I tried to work lots of different things in it. Um, but the clay put in the moisture, which is what the parsnip seeds need if they dry out. And they're so tiny little things that once they dry out, they're dead. So we, I had an old timer that gave me, you know, season was telling me, teaching me how to, about how to grow parsnips because I'd never even eaten a parsnip in my life. Um, but he had told me to Like you plant them and then you put boiling water on them and then you put a board over top. And I thought, what, I don't know why I'm doing all these things, but I, you know, I, I never did the board, but they just grew. Even when other people couldn't grow them, mine would grow, but it was because my ground was so nasty and wet. Um, And so I've been trying to grow parsnips in my good garden for years and I just could never get them to come up I couldn't keep the ground wet enough because it's got such drainage I did the board thing even I did you know tried mulching them not I could not get parsnips to grow and I was so bummed out about it but this year I thought instead of maybe I'll try to start the seeds which from all what I read, it doesn't you aren't really supposed to do that. But I thought, what have I got to lose? So I got parsnip seeds, I just put them, you know, like in a paper towel and kind of put them under the sink and let them start sprouting. And then I did the tedious job of picking up the little tiny parsnip seeds with little tiny roots and trying not to break them off and planting them, you know, in my garden. And then I mulched it on top. And this year I got the biggest, most beautiful parsnips I've ever seen. I mean, they were huge. So I haven't even dug them all up yet. There's still some up there because you want them to, you know, go through a freeze. And I have dug up a few and we've eaten them and they're just, oh my God, they're so good. So I'm like, I was just so excited that I have, I actually got parsnips to grow. So I guess that's what I'm going to have to do now is start them first and then just plant them with little roots in the ground and mulch them. That's worked for me. So it's taken me years to get to this point though.
0: Maybe and maybe if you just let some go to seed, they'll reseed themselves naturally. Now that you've got them acclimated to that year, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're an annual, so maybe they're not going to do that. Anyway, <laughs> I, wait a minute. But I have to back up. Did you say you pour boiling water over them? See, yeah, that's what this old timer told me.
2: You plant them and then you get boiling water and you just pour it over top of like the row where you've just planted the seeds which then would often make the seeds kind of float up to the top a little bit. And then you have to put them back down, but because some kind of a waxy coating, he said on outside of them and they have to get through the coating. So yeah, that's what I did for like a number of years. And like I said, at home it worked, but it worked because my ground was so wet and it didn't drain and that's what they needed. But you know, where my new garden is, it's drains like beautifully. And so just didn't stay wet enough for them. but I don't know if they would reseed. I don't think they would reseed and come back again. I'm not really sure about that.
0: Yeah, I, that's probably not right. That I don't know what made me think of that. Like I'm thinking of like calendulas, but like carrots don't really do that, do they? And like beets and stuff so. like that. I don't think they do either. Mm. Um, but uh, but the seeds might be better seeds if you save the seeds, like you would save a carrot seed or a beet seed or something um what was the other thing i was gonna say i think it's so interesting that you never oh i had a parsnip and i wonder if listeners are gonna go out there and like be like this is a challenge." like it's making me think like this is a challenge like i would want to try to do it just to see if i could get them to grow um because it just sounds like i don't know like a fun type of experiment thing so Mm -hmm. i love parsnips we don't grow parsnips Mm -hmm. i guess mike must not be a parsnip fan or something
2: well, my husband introduced them to me, even of course, you know, he had a whole repertoire and he didn't know things that I ate and I didn't know things he ate. And so he introduced me to parsnips, and I was, I would get cravings for them literally sometimes. But so now I'm like, yeah, I have a bounty of heart of parsnips and I haven't even, they're still on the ground waiting for me. I guess I'm gonna not be probably not for long. I'm gonna have to go and pull them up before. So how do you cook
0: your parsnips do you roast them or do you slice them up do you boil them like how do you like parsnips
2: we started out um my husband cooks everything starting starting with a stick of butter so he would put butter in the pan just cut cut them up in like like not slivers but like long pieces and usually we cut out the center there's like a bitter center to a parsnip so we cut that out and then um I've tried and just like fry them in butter, but I've also put them like in a roast, like carrots and potatoes. Oh, they seem to cook a lot quicker than the carrots did. And then I wanted to try, um, which I'm going to do this. I haven't done this yet, but like just cutting them in kind of chunks and putting them in the oven and then like just kind of brushing them with butter and see how that works. to Get them like a little crisp, even like cook them and then maybe put them in the broiler with some butter uh, brushed over top of them, I think that would be really good too. I just did that with um butternut squash and that worked out really well.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Do you are parsnips? Are they a lot like turnips? Do you eat turnips? You don't really eat turnips, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we're here. we'll have to go to the store and like try these things this weekend. Listeners, <laughs> let me know. Did you try a turnip? Did you try a parsnip do you eat those things so cindy you're just dropping golden seeds like i knew you would from the minute i got your email i was like cindy has to come on the show i'm sure she's got tons of stuff to share with us so what's something you're excited to do different next year
2: um well i definitely want to do my parsnips again i think um excited I think I'm just excited for the whole garden I'm going to try to minimize my tomato planting though because I get a little crazy about tomatoes and end up with so many that I hate at the end of the year to have the tomatoes like rotting on the plant and stuff but I need I guess I'm going to do some trellising which I've done but last year I got some of that um fencing that they use like you know that orange fencing they use whenever they're doing like road work or whatever to keep people away I went went to one of those big box stores and found that and but it was green so I thought oh this is cool because orange would be really obnoxious so I got a roll of green it's like plastic fencing because I just wanted to do something on this cheap and I put up posts and then I ran the, fe- ran that plastic fencing along. It was like kind of like a big giant U, and I put tomato plants. I planted them there so they could grow up through the fencing because I've been using stakes, but you know, they go crazy. They go, they're all over the place and the stakes never big enough. So um, I just kind of let like wove them through the fencing as they grew and it worked really well. And then I have a, like a beach umbrella um, mm-hmm. so when I would go out and work in like weeding or, you know, I would take a lot of the like shoots off of the tomato plants to thin them out and stuff. So when I'd be out there working on that, I would take the beach umbrella and it actually would sit between the two, um, rows of fencing that I had for shade. So I didn't have to like sit in the sun. And work and like like my people laughed at me, but it was it was much more comfortable, you know. So I could like move my shade wherever I was going. And actually, I would take my beach umbrella and like put the just like stick it in the ground other places where I was working, so that I could be in the shade. But this way, I could just kind of move it down along because it was probably I think that's
0: genius.
2: It was like maybe twenty feet long and maybe three feet wide so it was just like wide enough I didn't realize this when I did it but it was just wide enough for that beach umbrella to set in between so I just took I just took the top part of the umbrella and just like set it there and moved it along with me and it was beautiful so I want to do more so of that. Did I, I wait
0: to... did I miss something so the fencing is purely to provide shade for you or was there something else the fencing was for
2: no the fencing was to support the tomatoes oh right So instead of using a post for the tomato plant, I could wind it through the fencing so that it would, yeah. And then, and then I could go in between, because like I said, it was a big U like a real long U um, just because I didn't want to cut the fencing at the end. That is really the only reason. But then I put cucumbers at the end of the fencing and they grew up the fence and then I had tomatoes on either, you know, on either side of the U. And then I could just go in the middle and then, yeah, use my beach umbrella there. Worked out really well.
0: I think that is pure genius. Um, so you're solving two problems at once and, you know, finding something, um, you know, and just like giving it another use. So I was going to tell listeners that, um, the, uh, who are the fencing people? The deer fencing people that I have talked to have told me that my listeners could have a 10% discount. I'm trying to see, is it DeerBusters deerbusters.com use code fences for 10% off for our organic gardener podcast listeners. So if you do need some fence, I have done a couple of interviews with those guys. Um, and that's like our big priority here this summer. Like when I was working on the organic oasis masterclass and we talk a lot about garden goals in that. Um, I asked Mike, what are your big goals? And he, his biggest goal is to fix our fence. Cause we have a lot of fencing here. Um, and it's just, he put most of it in, in 2005. So it's 15 years old and wow. just, it needs some, and we had this grizzly bear attack on our chicken <laughs> house, um, last fall and that chicken house i mean he built that like years ago but this grizzly bear must have been huge i still like picture him all the time like oh what God. this giant bear must have looked like but there was like i feel so bad because there was an thing article in the newspaper and the fish wildlife and parks people or linked electric i can't remember they were like the only thing to stop the grizzly bears from getting your chickens is electric fencing and we were just like oh yeah right you know we've had this chicken house for all these years i mean the chicken house has been there i think since 2000 if not before that we've had chickens for a long time we've never had a problem and sure enough that grizzly bear came and we have one chicken we had um and it was like last year it was the first spring we actually had a chicken have babies and there were like five cute little chicks and i think we had four or five chickens and a rooster and there's one chick managed to survive that showed up like after a month like we thought the grizzly bear got all of them Oh. Well, I feel really bad but yeah so he's got to fix like this beer like shoved like the um from the roost like a what is it like a lodgepole pine that's like the diameter I'm like trying to make it with my fist like maybe a three inch diameter right through a plywood wall. Like, he lifted the roost up and, like, and and poked a hole through the wall. And Mike, like, I don't even think he can get it out of the wall. Like, it's so stuck in there. Like, that's how big this bear was. And he just, just, so the one chicken we do have, like, has free roam of everywhere. Like, she's not fenced in, so we can't get a new one until he fixed, because I feel bad she's all alone down there. But anyway, yeah, our crazy story with the grizzly bear, which I am so bummed I didn't get to see, but, yep, he was here, made the way through our neighborhood. Yeah, well we live in grizzly bear country. Or bear country anyway. Um so tell us about something that didn't work so well. Like was there something that didn't go the way you thought it was gonna last year? Um actually this last year, yeah, for some
2: reason and I don't know why, but my Brussels sprouts just did not grow. The plant grew beautifully, but I didn't get any Brussels sprouts. And I don't know if it was because it was so wet. I really don't know. They're I mean little teeny, I got little tiny Brussels sprouts on there, but they were not like tight heads, you know, so, and I had a few Do you
0: usually grow bustle sprouts, yes, and they usually come up, and then just last year, yeah. interesting, yeah, and I had them in two different spots, and i
2: they were kind of you know on the we have a big giant mulberry tree, and so it shades it's on the West side of the garden. So it shades it in late in the afternoon. So I try to take my, like, you know, the cold, more cold weather kind of plants like Brussels sprouts and plant them where they'll get the shade. So they don't get too much of the hot afternoon sun. So that's where they were. And I don't know, they didn't, they just didn't produce like hardly at all. Like I said, the plant was beautiful. got big and got lots of leaves, but just didn't get any Brussels sprouts. One year I planted, um, Cauliflower and the plants grew beautifully, but we didn't get any cauliflower. And then a friend of mine was Googling something and she said, You can't plant cauliflower where I'm sorry, I can't even remember what it is, but if you follow cauliflower with, you know, or cauliflower follows like another plant that you had planted. It won't grow very well. Like you have to watch how you rotate things. It just like blows my mind sometimes. I can't keep all this in my head to try to make you know make sure my garden you know that I don't do that kind of shooting yourself in the foot. But we figured maybe that's when my cauliflower didn't grow. But someone told me that a good rule of thumb is if you plant a root crop the next year plant something that grows above ground. And if you're you know doing the above ground stuff the next year grow a root crop. So I kind of use that in my head because there's so many other things where like you shouldn't plant this after you plant this because of different bugs or whatever that you can get. So, and like last year, I actually started planting flowers in my garden too, just so I brightened it up and it also to help bring the pollinators in. So maybe that'll help. And, you know, other bugs that might eat all those things that eat the things that I want to grow
0: absolutely those are all good ideas have you ever gotten a soil test oh yes yes
2: i do i don't think i did it last year but i will this year again um yeah before i started my garden up there like like full force i got a soil test and we added i think just some calcium maybe it was like very minimal the things that we had that it was way over like almost everything
0: Maybe that was it because there was too much of stuff. We oh, I always talk about doing a soil test and then I never do. I'm really bad about it. I'm always like, we should do a soil test. We should, you know, just to yeah. see what it's like. Especially microbes, like
2: quickly. you get your results back too. That's what I was worried about because oh. you know, ground. Once you're able to dig, you right. know, up here and maybe where you are too. It sometimes takes a while before you know. Yep. All should of a I sudden, don't. like winter, and then all of a sudden it's summer. It seems like. I always feel like you should do the
0: soil test in the fall.
2: Yeah, that would be a better idea, I guess. Um,
0: And then I'm always like in the spring, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't do my soil test. And I should. And it's good to know that it does come back that fast because that's part Mm -hmm. of it. But also, like, there's a big... Um, I know for us, there's a big window between what you can plant in April and what you can't plant till June anyway. So I always figure at least it'll be back before the stuff that you, that, you know, can't take a frost goes in the ground. Mm -hmm. But, um, how, so I was going to ask, like, how big is your place that you're planning? Like, I keep going back and forth. I'm like, oh, this place must be huge. And I'm like, oh wait, no, she said it wasn't that big. Like, how big is your place again?
2: Um, well, the garden
0: area is
2: probably, I think it's like
0: 30 by 40 so it's a pretty decent size that's a pretty decent size
1: yeah
0: I like the idea that you're mixing in flowers and things to help it um bring in the pollinators and those beneficial insects that will eat some of those other right
2: um, plus it's just kind of nice when you're there working in the garden like oh there's a bright red flower over there you know, although sometimes like, oh, there's a tomato. No, it's not a tomato. It's a bright red flower. You know, that happened to me last year.
0: Mike always likes to put marigolds and nasturtiums in with his tomatoes for um, bringing in like companion planting, bringing in the beneficials and things like that. And -hmm. then I always think they smell good. I think they smell good, but I guess that's the whole thing about the marigolds is the bugs don't like them that eat your plants. So that's why they work well that way. Um, and then I'm big on herbs. Like, do you grow basil and oregano being an Italian and all those kind of herbs and garlic and onions and things like that?
2: Um, yes, I I haven't had a whole lot of luck with onion. Well, I mean, I, onions, I've tried, I haven't really, I haven't had a whole lot of luck with that, but I do grow basil. Um, I don't really use a lot of herbs, but, uh, I garlic, yeah, I started growing garlic a few years ago. Um. And that's a whole education needed there just for taking care of it. Just for, you know, once you, once you harvest your garlic to, you know, process it. I just like Google, you know, how do you do this and so watch like YouTube videos and, you know, check out the EDU websites and, you know, for how, cause first time I grew garlic, I just pulled it and then took it and I didn't dry it or let it, you know, um, it at all, I just so the the stuff I initially used them was good, but then it all rotted, you know. So like a, that was a waste. And then I think this last year, I think I aired it for too long, and a lot of it, you know, was dried up by the time I went to use it again. So I still have some, but a lot of what I, you know, painstakingly grew—not that it was hard, but it was just like my garlic, you know—and it's all like crumbling. So I have to learn that end of it. It's easy to grow it, but then you have to know how to take care of it after it's harvested. So that's my, my learning curve is pretty sharp there.
0: You are sharing your learning curve with us. And these are the golden seeds that you're dropping like crazy. And I know exactly what you're talking about all too well, Um, because my garlic that we grew last year either got moldy, some of it froze and I did not do a good because I was struggling with that too. Like, when is it dry enough to be considered dry? Like, you know, ready to like, you know, like the stuff that you would buy in the store. Like when is it too fresh and when is it dry? And then I didn't do a good job of, um, separating it enough. And so it kind of like clumped up together. That was a big mistake I made. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: and yeah, and fresh garlic, it, it, didn't seem too hard for Mike to grow. It seems like he's been growing it the last couple of years. My friend Theodore finally gave him some bulbs to try, and they've been growing great. We get like a white one, and then there's a purple one mm-hmm. um, that are both really good. And so it's been fun to have our own garlic and onions because um, yeah. there's nothing like fresh onions from the garden as compared to even what you buy in the store. I think mm-hmm.
1: I got
2: somehow those little. Um, I'm not even sure what they're called. Those little tiny onions. They grow like in a clumps?
0: Like scallions or chives. I love chives. Chives are like one of my favorite um oh, yeah. bring them like the Yeah,
2: I do grow chives. You can't you can't like can't not grow them. They just grow. You know I what know. I mean? There's-
0: and they last forever. They just come back mm-hmm. on their own and just they're the first like some of the first flowers for the bees in the spring and just mm-hmm. yeah. I don't even really yeah. eat them. And you can eat, you can put the flowers on your salad. I do stuff like right. that sometimes. Um but uh yeah.
2: I put those in potatoes, a lot too. But yeah, chives are super easy.
0: Yeah. So, Cindy, we're already at getting to the root of things. So, like, what's your uh, least favorite activity to do in the garden?
2: um, I, I think actually, I really don't. But I, but I really, it hurt. It like almost hurts me whenever I see like things rotting on the vine. So I thought I really need to try to figure how much of everything do I need to grow and not get over. It's so hard not to go overboard. And I don't like to, if I try to, I'm not real good at starting my own plants either, but when I do, it's like, Oh, that little thing, I should probably throw it away because it's not doing real well. I just want to try to save it, of course. So I end up with like way too many plants. Um, and I really need to like control myself in the springtime and just plant what I think I can really harvest and use or, you know, I mean, I give stuff to, you know, family and friends too, but I just hate to see things rotting and not being able to go to food or I'm going to find a food bank or something, but um, I've had mixed results with that so far. I have tried that in the past. So, and then
0: I used to even have a question, what do you do with all your, because like one of the biggest struggles I have is that everything seems to come on all at once. And it's just me and Mike and I eat the majority of the vegetables and I just can't keep up. And then with my lifestyle, it just is not always that convenient. Like I finally found someone who said she would take all the produce I would bring in And the big thing was like, I need to bring it early in the morning. I realized for her when she doesn't have customers, but that she's there every day because like the food bank schedule, like it just doesn't work that well. Like I always say, I would not be a very good CSA customer because I just really have a hard time being at the same place. You know what? I should find someone who could have a CSA at the library because I do pretty much consistently all summer long go to the library at 11 o'clock on Friday morning when she opens. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. what I mean. To like mix it, like put it with a different habit that I already have that I'm built into. Cause that is the one or, Um, but yeah, I really struggle with that. The farmer's markets just don't seem to work for me. Like our farmer's market in Eureka is like Wednesday night at six o'clock and um it's a hard one for me to get to and then uh yeah so i can totally relate to all those things you're saying so on the flip side what's your favorite activity to do in the garden
2: um harvesting of course um and not really like with my fruit trees i absolutely love to prune i could just like prune all day long i could weed all day long too really you just like lose track of time and before you know it it's like you know the sun's going down so I just get lost in pruning. It's like therapeutic. And I actually have an old boat, like a throw cushion that you have to use. You know, you have to have them in your boats for a safety thing. But they make perfect kneeling pads. Like why spend money? That, like kneeling pads are crazy expensive or else they really don't even do any good. So I use this boat cushion and it's got like a handle like on the side. So it's it's perfect. So I just take that. I have a couple of them. I just take that around and that's what I can kneel on as I'm um, weeding so i yeah i love to weed and i love to prune my fruit trees
0: you are just dropping golden seed because that was what i was going to say i'm like well what are you doing that's making your weeding so relaxing that you can just sit out there for all these hours um yeah. but there it is
2: yeah you get a really good water bottle that stays cold you know i don't want to say any brands but what, you know like a good one And then you, so you have cold water while you're sitting out there. And then, you know, you bring your little, you know, turn some music on and like, I'm good, you know, I'm I'm golden there. Music and water. And I got something nice to to lean
0: on, to kneel on. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure listeners are going to love that. Uh, I was, what was I going to say about, um, I was going to say something about the first thing about the least favorite activity about not, her, oh, not being able to, so I have like mastered the Marie Kondo, um, you know, what is it? The magical, the life-changing magic of tidying up. It's right on my bookshelf right next to my bed. And last spring I went through and like, it's taking me a long time because I've like, Mike and I have been married 27 Is it 20? It'll be 27 years this June plus the year before that. So almost 30 years, over 25 years worth of time to accumulate stuff here. And I have Mm -hmm. tons of teaching stuff. I have like a whole storage set and I have just been going through things and going through things. And I feel like I even wrote a blog post, but I never finished it last spring about the magical um art of cleaning up your garden and getting rid of those things and seeing does it spark joy and like i just it's just amazing the things that i can throw away today that years ago would have like killed me on the flip side i was arguing with these teachers yesterday about how i am using up stuff for my first year of teaching in 2005 like there is no tomorrow and i am glad i have not thrown a lot of that stuff away mm-hmm. um That's just been sitting around, and like, just for some reason, these third graders that I have this year are just the best, and they are using it up and loving it, and just we have so much fun. But um, what was the other thing? But oh, and then on the flip side, I'm thinking I'm starting a podcast called "I Love Clutter" because I the things (laughs) that I do have that do spark joy. I love I love looking at my desk and I feel like my principal probably comes in and kind of cringes and is just like why does she have all this stuff but like every time I look at like um a picture a kid gave me or a memory or like you know things that I've collected over the years from different classrooms and just like I have all these mementos up around my desk and just like like I'm the kind of person that like saves an envelope from somebody or I save the container like the container that the Furry fabric that I have for my puppet costumes is the box that my aunt gave me. It was from William Sonoma, and she gave us like these plates for our wedding. And so every time I open the box when I'm doing a puppet unit, I think of my aunt and how sweet. And like the boxes <laughs> even lasted longer than even I think I only have one of the bowls left, <laughs> but the boxes, well, like I just, I'm like, I'm like, I save weird things. Like when I went to Paris, i saved the ice cream container and i like you know every time i use that for like you know it's like a plastic kind of tupperware container like every time i use that i think of my trip to paris like that was one of my favorite mementos and like or like even like i saved the bag from like where i went to get copies and i keep like my artwork in there and just Mm -hmm. i'm like kind of weird that way but yeah i i love the clutter that i do have and um and looking at things that spark joy for me. So I've been thinking, you know, I, I like getting rid of a lot of things. I'm definitely into the tidying part, but the things that I do love that do spark joy, I'm just, I, I love those memories. Right. And it's kind nice of, you feel
2: like you can reuse something too. Yeah. You know, it's make, kind of a side tangent.
0: Yeah. And like, it's so cute because I have like, I bought this little bench for my grandkids in the garden and it's got like, you know, the little animals and whatever. And so I have that in like my little reading nook in the library at school and they love it. It's just fun to have things like that. Yeah. Anyway, Cindy, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received?
2: Wow. Well, you know, I thought about this and I really cannot think of anything specific. You know, it it just seems like just watching other people and and then like trying to go, reach out and find things myself, I guess, you know, I mean, the guy that gave me the parsnip advice was good, but that was like specific to parsnips. But I, and I just hear things like, you know, of course, you know, grow what you like to eat. Um, I mean, it's like try or try something new. I tried Kolobri. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. Polarabi. Yes. Yeah. Last year. And it was, it was the goofiest looking thing, but um and actually we didn't really eat it I tried it and didn't really care for it so I don't know if I'll do that again but it was really cool looking to grow so but I couldn't really think of any like specific like gem that I'd you know received from anybody but I just tried to I mean you just I mean gardeners are just such awesome people you know you just gardeners always want to share and help and um so just it's like just sitting here talking to you just talking to other gardeners about what worked for you and How did you do, you just, there's always, you know, good advice that you get or something new to try or, I couldn't really think of anything specific, like one thing. There's just so many things, I
0: guess. Awesome. Well, that's good. I think you shared like three tips right there. So... Cindy, what's your favorite tool to use? Like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, like, do you go back? Like, do you just keep all your tools? Like, how long are you at this summer home? Like, do you stay there during the week or do you just come, go there on the weekends? <coughs> like, what do you do about like keeping things watered if you're not, like how often are you there, I guess, and stuff like that.
2: Pretty much every day, unless it's really, yeah, pretty much every oh. day. It's like I said, it's, it's about a 40 minute drive from my house. So we just, we just go up there and I mean, if the weather's bad, we hang out and play beanbag Um, or I always, you know, get some gardening and I need to try to get there a little earlier in the day, actually, I'm not really a morning person, but I need to try to get up early. You know, that's the only thing. It's hard to get up to be there like early in the morning before it gets real hot to like do your weeding or if you want like watering or whatever. And I actually got a sprinkler, um one of one of those sprinklers that goes back and forth but i don't think that's really a good idea for a garden because everything's wet you know
0: yeah um, it's my husband sets up the big sprinkler now that we have water to run it in his mini farm but we would like yeah. to have drip tape and stuff like that eventually in an automated water system um yeah. I and I think that's made you creative and that's probably why you are out there with your beach umbrella in the shade <laughs> yeah, in the really. holiday afternoon because that's the only time <clears throat> you have to do it, but you're making it work. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to try to get up there a little earlier. Inspiring all of us that um, that we can make it work too. I hope so. So what's your favorite recipe you like to cook from the garden? Actually, I discovered
2: um zucchini lasagna so instead of using noodles you just use zucchini like you just slice it long and it is wonderful and it and you can eat it and not feel like so bloated and heavy when you're done because it was just zucchini you weren't eating all that pasta so <clears throat> i've been making that and then another thing i like to do with and you can use this with whatever you just take whatever vegetables you want um broccoli, peppers, beans. You just put them in a pan with like a couple tomatoes, like whole tomatoes even. And then you just steam it. You know, just put a lid on a little bit, just a little bit of like moisture in there, but the tomato will cook. And then you just pull the skins off of the tomato. And so then the tomato becomes kind of like the base when all the vegetables are steamed. And then you just get whatever kind of cheese you like and like sprinkle cheese over the top of it. And you have like a cheesy vegetable tomato dish. And so that's really nice because you can put anything in there and like experiment with mixing different vegetables. And it's, yeah, so that's really good. And you can use up, like it's a good thing to use up. Like I have a little bit of this left and a little bit of this left. What am I going to do with it? Just like throw it all together.
0: I like the tip about peeling the tomato skin off. That's like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to make, just whatever we've got put it together so and i like the way it'll always make it taste different so it's always kind of something Mm -hmm. so sydney how about your favorite podcast or do you have a favorite podcast to recommend i know you listen to melissa norris is that it or do you have any others that you can recommend to people
2: oh yeah actually i there's a joe gardner podcast
0: which and he also has a tv
2: show um and does a show on the pbs channel um every Saturday, but he's got a really good podcast and it's like an hour long. So he can really get into a topic. Um, and that's just Joe Gardner. Um, well, his name is Joe Lample, but it's, I just like Google Gardner Gardner in my podcast you know, tab um, or app. And then there's another one called you bet your garden. And this is a guy named Mike McGrath. Who's out of Philadelphia PA. And he gets, he, it's a call-in show. So you never know what you're going to hear, which is really cool about that show. But people call in from like all over the country and ask him questions about any number of topics. And then he has like a topic of the day. So he'll get to the topic of the day at the end, but the people will call in and, you know, in every now and then sometimes it's like, oh, I don't really care so much about this question. But every now and then you get like a gem in there. And um, he just answers like people's questions. I guess he was at... A, Um, editor of of organic gardening magazine for a while too so so he's just full of knowledge so both so those are the two main ones that i listen to when i'm like driving or even at home working
0: awesome i interviewed joe lample and i always feel like he's like because we watch his show on saturday mornings um it's like having a celebrity like come right into my living room. Like, he's just really? awesome. And uh, I should reach out to Mike McGrath. I don't think I have interviewed him, but that would be fun.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Pretty entertaining. Just, I mean, just when you just to listen to him talk, he's very entertaining.
0: Cool. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web?
2: Um, boy, well, I mean, Penn State has... A lot of agricultural things too. So I look there, but I usually just anything that ends in EDU, um, you know, that would, you know, that's more research based, I try to, that's where I kind of gear myself
0: towards. Cool. That's where I like to go too. Like um, usually EDU will bring you up a extension service too.
2: Right, right. uh,
0: how about a favorite reading material? Like, is there a book or a magazine that you want to recommend? Oh boy, um,
2: I go to book sales and just like come out with boxes of books about gardening. <laughs> so, um, I had like the lasagna gardening book that was I tried that. That worked out pretty well actually. I did that at home. Um, you just like do layers and try to like on a raised bed. So, um. But any, like, gardening, like, organic gardening magazine, um, I don't really have a lot of time
0: to read magazines. Those work. Those are great resources. Yeah. You know, I was going to tell you when you were talking about your favorite recipes, like, I totally discovered zucchini noodles in 2018, too. Like, and I even put my lasagna Um, zucchini lasagna recipe in our organic oasis guidebook because yeah it is amazing and then this teacher i I work with gave me a recipe for um they're like uh zucchini boats i think they call them and it's like it's almost like eating garlic bread and it's so easy it's like you i want to say you just like melt a little butter, spread it across, cut the zucchini in half. And I was amazed. I had this really old, super large zucchini this year that sat around forever. And you know how usually you think, oh, I got to grate that into zucchini bread. And it was even like, it sat around for so long. It was like turning yellow. And I was like, this isn't going to be very good. And I don't know. I just, when I cut it in half, it was still really firm. And I just tried that recipe. And so I think he just melted butter, spread it on with like a brush, salt, pepper, and Parmesan cheese and Ooh. just slide it in the oven for like like 15 minutes or something i swear it came out just like garlic butter even though i didn't actually put garlic in it like garlic bread it was so good and then um, the good. zucchini noodles, like I bought a spiraler, but the spiraler I bought was just horrible. It was so sharp. I literally threw it in the garbage. Like that's where Marie Kondo is coming mm-hmm. in, where I bought something and threw it in the garbage. Like I was like, this is so sharp. Nobody even wants it. And I knew it was just going to sit in my car before it ever got to a thrift store. And I was just like... Get this thing out of my! It just, it was not good, and it wasn't wide enough for most zucchinis, and it was just, it kept cutting my hands like you had to twist it, and it was just a bad deal. So,
2: uh, I just got spiralizer to too. I haven't tried yeah. it yet though.
0: Um. Yeah, but oh my goodness, our zucchini noodles not the best. I mean, it's just like oh, these are so good, mm-hmm. and they managed to hold their shape so much better than I thought they would. I thought they would just turn to mush, but either the spiral zucchini noodles or, like you said, just layering, slicing it, and layering it, in that lasagna mm-hmm. it's making me hungry too. And- <laughs> Uh, my, we're already at my final question. Like this interview has gone so fast and so fun and we are right on time. It's nine 52. So I'm supposed to send PRN a file that's between 53 minutes and 58 minutes. Like, I just, you've just been dropping so many golden seeds. It's been so entertaining. I know listeners are going to love this episode. I'm so glad you decided to come on and reached out to me and we managed to make it work because my calendar thing is down right now. And like a couple of other people have said they would do it, but because I'm just like, well, I only have Friday or Saturday mornings. Tell me a time it's been, you're the only one who's managed to make it work. <laughs> so um anyway cindy if there's one change you'd like to see to create a greener world what would it be for example is there a charity organization you're passionate about a project you'd like to see put into action like what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment either locally nationally or on a global scale
2: well let me start well my my charity is arbor day um you know, plant trees, we need the plant trees, and, um, boy, and just try to not use so much plastic, um, it's really hard not to use plastic, I've tried to, like, at least minimize plastic use, and I hate how things are just so throwaway, like you used to go and fix your shoes and go to a shoemaker and now you just throw them away and get something else and it's cheaper to buy something new than to get it fixed and that just is backwards but I'm I'm not quite sure how to fix that I mean I do try to get my I do actually have a shoemaker that works out of his house and I try to use that Um, I try to reuse whatever I can but um Globally, yeah, I think we really need to concentrate more on like our environment and climate change and take it seriously. And everybody got and vote and like vote climate. And because uh, it starts at the top, you know, they have to be working on it too. We can do our own little thing in our own little place, but it's got to be a lot more of a global effort. And you know, right now the United States is kind of lagging as far as that goes. We need to change that. But um yeah, I'd say, like, yeah, plant trees. We need to all plant trees and and even lawns. Um, So many people. I just heard recently on one of these podcasts too that there's more lawns acreage of lawns in America than there is if you combine all the national parks. There's more lawn. So if everybody took just even a small part of their lawn and gave it back to nature or planted flowers, even or plant you know or um, milkweed for the monarchs or you know something not grass, then we could really make a difference in our, everybody could make a little bit of difference and combined could be a big difference. So I guess that would be my one, my other tip, plant trees and take part of your lawn and give it back to nature.
0: Oh my gosh, Cindy, I love you. I'm so glad <laughs> to hear all this. And this is part of why I changed the name of the podcast to the Green Organic Gardener podcast. And I just love my podcast so much. And it's hard to believe that I actually like tossed and turned the other night and thought, oh my gosh, should I close down my podcast? Like, should I? Cause I'm kind of struggling with work and everything, but I just, I don't know. But then on the flip side, I I've ended up falling more in love with my podcast this week than ever. But like, I'm telling you Monday morning listeners, I woke up and was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like my computer's so overstuffed. And like I had parent teacher conferences on Wednesday and I wasn't prepared. And I had an incident at school Monday and I know it wasn't because I wasn't and just trying to keep everything going. But at the same time, like getting to talk to you and getting to share this and just um, just it renews my heart. It makes me feel better every day. Like I just got in this huge argument with my mom, right before we got in the air. I was talking to her and she was talking about they had all this wind. She came home the other day and her front door was open and she about had a heart attack that her dog was out because the wind blew her front door open. And then she's talking about today. They're having all this wind. She's like, Do you guys get that out there? And I'm like, Mom. I am so worried we're going to burn up this year. I mean, if we get the wind, like I just posted on Facebook, like these giant trees less than a mile from my house that blew over this year because we are getting, they call them like microbursts out here. Like, I mean, root wads that are, you know, taller than the truck of my car, way taller than me, just these monster trees that blew over. And if we get that kind of wind and there's any kind of a forest fire around here, we're all going to be just like, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be like, I was thinking today about, oh, maybe I'll try to go to New York in August because if I'm going to leave Montana, I want to leave during smoke season. Like we actually, and but this summer, like I just worry all the time. I just feel like we are not, we, and I told her, I was like, we have not stood up. We should be leaders in taking care of our people. And then looking at the poor people from Syria this morning, they're on the news where their kids are freezing to death right in front of them. My husband said the whole civil war started six years ago because they're getting affected by climate change and all their farmers, they have no food. Their farmers can't grow because the climate is, and it's just like, you know, one of my very first guests when I changed the name to the green organic gardener podcast was um, Jeff Lowenfels, who wrote all those "Teeming with microbes and teaming. And he said, 2020 is his year where his new motto is what would Greta do when thinking? And I totally agree with you. It is so hard not to, to live without plastic and without buying single use plastic. Like when you buy salad, whether you're putting it in a, and now, you know, my friend Dacia, like she actually makes cloth wash bags that she goes and gets her salad and puts it into, or she doesn't buy salad in the winter. She's like, we eat a lot of broccoli. Like she just, cause she doesn't want to buy those spring mix things that come in those plastic containers. She does the best (laughs) job of anybody I know for, um, not using plastic but it is so hard to live without plastic it's just everywhere in single use and yeah. i was just thinking the other day maybe we should put like a recycling bottle tech you know how there used to be like recycling a bottle tax like a five cents on every single piece of um you know and maybe five cents to the consumer and five cents to the producer and see what that changes you know and the other thing i was looking at gas is two dollars and 38 cents a gallon like I drive more than anybody. I don't want to pay higher prices for gas, but at the same time, I'm like, this is 2020. Shouldn't America, like, <clears throat> if you say there's no money for climate change, maybe we should make gas just a little bit higher and put a tax on there or something. Like, I just, it's just ridiculous how America, like, I'll bet there's no other countries paying that cheap of a price for gas. That's ridiculous. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. $2.38 a gallon like but meanwhile we're like pumping millions of gallons of oil into the you know oceans and just Anyways, I'll get off my rant. Cindy, thank you so 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 much for sharing with us today. And just so wonderful to talk to you. And I just this is what I love about Facebook and love about social media and love about my podcast is like it makes me feel better throughout my day to know that my listeners out there that think the same way I do and that my guests think the same way I do. And just like uh, when you when you look at the news, um I'm glad you're growing. So thank you for sharing with us today. And I don't know. You're do you really? want to say anything else? Do you have an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start their own garden? not that you haven't shared like 20 zillion golden seeds. Today,
2: <laughs> um,
0: I think, well, I, I
2: think really scientific studies have even shown that like being out in green, being out in nature is really good for you, but I think you just go and do it and you feel better. It just, just feel like connected so whatever way you can find to do that whether it's growing like flowers I, I'm like a little too practical for that I grow you know go ahead and grow if you if you want to grow but, but like vegetables are is more my passion but just grow whatever makes you feel good and whatever can connect you back to nature because people are getting away there's a lot of people that like have never had a garden or have never even been in the woods I mean people in cities I've experienced where like, they don't, I, I just can't even imagine being so separated from nature. You know, people that would rather be in the house than outside, like just come outside and feel that connection and you'll want to keep on going back.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Cindy. And you have the most wonderful thank you, thank day. You. Thank you for sharing you with us. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm actually not going to shut off the recorder, but I will edit this part out because I forget with Zoom if I, wait, let me see.
2: Master gardener too in, in Pennsylvania. And although really like in name only, I the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. But I, you know, the one woman that I have, we get seeds from Ernst Seeds. It's I think in Pennsylvania too. Anyways, they, she had peanuts and I was like, Oh my God, grow peanuts. Let's, I'll try it. So I um, planted a bunch of peanuts and I actually got peanuts and I'm so excited. So my, have my husband take pictures of me with my peanuts, you know, when I pulled the plants. So, and they were good. They taste like better than they have more of a peanut taste to them. They were small, but that was pretty exciting. So I'll, I'll look and just see, because I have like... Were they hard different... to harvest? No, they were really easy to cut. You just pull the plant and all the peanuts are attached. And then you'd like hang it someplace for a while to dry. And um, yeah, they weren't hard at all. I mean, I didn't, they didn't all grow. I planted a bunch and I think I ended up with like three plants. So it wasn't like a lot, but I mean, each plant, you know, when I, well, I'll send you this picture. But Yeah, they were like all these peanuts. I was so excited. I
0: got peanuts and parsnips this year. Oh, I'm laughing and my mic mic muted. I said, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, well, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Cindy. And I will send you the link as soon as it's up, which hopefully will be, I would like to say it'll be today, but it'll probably end up being like Monday morning. That's (laughs) fine. Like, right as I'm walking out the door to school, I'm always like, on Monday morning, like, Monday's my podcast day. Tuesday, I read. Wednesday, I grade papers. Thursday, I'm, or no, Wednesday, I do my job in my seating chart. Thursday, I try to do a newspaper quiz for my kids before they go home. And then we have Fridays off. Like, I'm at the, like, I tell my principal all the time. I'm like, I've died and gone to teacher heaven. (laughs) i'm teaching my favorite grade we have thursdays off except for one friday a month everybody like it's the best community spirit the kids are like i had um 16 parent teacher conferences on wednesday and every parent showed up i mean it's just like is amazing, awesome. and my principal, he's just great. I'm like, you should run for superintendent of schools because every child deserves this kind of environment, and every teacher deserves this kind of environment. Like, I had no idea this even existed anymore. He's just, I've taught 700 kids in 15 schools across five districts, and I haven't seen anything like this anywhere. He's just got it really dialed in. So, but we gotta spread that
2: too because you, yeah, teachers, God bless you for being a teacher. My dad was a teacher, and my uncle, um, but.
0: Well, my mom was a teacher and she made it look really easy. And it is not, I don't know if it's just the times, but at least the pendulum's starting to spring backwards, swing backwards. And like, uh, they're getting, you know, more into kids being creative again, but like my kids, they have music MPE specials, um, two days a week. And then the other two days they have library and either health or art. and they get four recesses a day they have like a recess right before school starts it's short it's only like five or ten minutes then they Mm -hmm. have a 10 o'clock recess a lunch recess an afternoon recess they just like and he makes them go out so let me tell you these kids do not forget their snow pants or their snow boots or their gloves Mm -hmm. because if they do they still have to go out but there's like just this very small amount of like black um, pathway that they have to stay on and then the other kids can go out and play in the snow so you know what they don't forget their snow pants or they just keep them at right. school. Their parents like, you know, and they don't forget their snow boots and they are, they are ready for pe and it's like amazing how just because he expects it, they go out in all kinds of weather and they just come prepared for the weather. And mm-hmm. um, it just makes like the teachers, you know, we have time to go to the bathroom. We have time to like think <laughs> and prepare and plan and, um, and the four day school week, I think also helps us get more TA. Like we have a lot of TA help. Like I only have one. I was like, come on, you're kidding me. I only have one recess duty for 15 minutes, one day a week. That's it. I get an hour of prep time. It's like crazy. I'm like, where is it? No. Cause I, you know, I know a lot of teachers like online, I'm in Facebook groups of teachers and they all talk about, they don't have anything like this. It's like amazing. Cause when you have an hour, you can actually get something done. When you have 45 minutes, by the time you go to the bathroom, and you clean up whatever mess is made, you know, your 45 minutes is, like, gone, but just that extra 15 minutes is, like, huge. Anyway, Cindy, the schools are closed on Fridays where you live? Just this school. We, no, we go longer, so this hours are the same somehow like we start earlier and we go longer but we're on a four-day school week somehow i'm always like this doesn't seem possible but he does he's done it and then one friday a month the teachers have our pir time where we have to go for a meeting and there's no kids they've Mm -hmm. only been doing it for two years at the school that i'm at but it just seems like I, I it's hard to imagine ever going back the other way. Sometimes I miss it. I miss my kids. Like I'm like like already hundreds day is um next Thursday and then we only have fifty school days left at my district. Most districts have still have like 80 days left because they have Fridays but nope it's just at this one school that I'm at and just Hmm. I guess as they save so much money not running the buses not feeding the kids not teachers and um, well our salaries are pretty much the same like and we still get 14 six days because they signed that part of the contract before they went to the four-day school week so it's like, but the one thing is you have to get your own sub, So nobody can ever hardly like you have to be like on your deathbed practically <laughs> to call in sick, but you don't wow. need to for the most part. And just, yeah. um, I mean, there've been a couple of days where I've been like, I really need the day off or there was one time where I was sick and they just, the staff kind of covered my class because we couldn't get a sub, but yeah, it's just, um, it's amazing. But yeah, I think that with the money he saves, he's able to have more, um, staff and, and help for the kids, which is huge. And that they mm-hmm. help with recess duty and they help in the classrooms. And it's, you know, the kids get some one-on-one time with, um, you know, small group stuff. And anyway, uh, yeah. And they have a school garden. I'm like at this amazing school. They recycle. Awesome. Like they just, um, they do, it's just really amazing. So anyway, thank you so much, Cindy, for sharing with us today and have a
1: wonderful day. Thank you. It's time for Free the Seeds, Saturday, March 7th, at the Flathead Valley Community College's Arts and Technology Building in Kalispell. This fifth annual event is a seed swap with a host of workshops and booths that provide skills, information, and resources on growing and processing healthy, nutrient-rich food. And it's all free. Volunteers have been packing seeds all year, and we're on schedule to distribute another 10,000 packets. The swap runs from nine until noon this year, And workshops begin at 10. K-12 teachers get OPI credits for attending workshops, and kids ages 8 and up can enjoy activities offered by Glacier Children's Museum. Our theme this year is recovery, closing the waste gaps in our food system, and we will have four community conversations on this topic. For more information and to see our schedule, go to freetheseedsmontana.com or visit us on Facebook. Come on down. We can't wait to see you. Get your
0: copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth.